Shaking it up with Sheikh Fayaz. Nightly Ramadan Reflections. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa bihi nasta'in. Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala ahli baytihi at-tayyibin at-tahirin. Amongst the words that are most often thrown around in religious circles these days is spirituality. Spirituality, a word that I've often recited quite a bit in the midst of the last several episodes and probably moving forward, because it's a word that's so connotated with the month of Ramadan, but it really needs a little bit of unpacking. A lot of times these days, people, they desire to feel spiritual, and their understanding of what it means to be spiritual is to feel really good and in a state of contentment after performing any good deed, for instance. But it's important to understand that a feeling of spirituality does not actually mean that one is spiritual. It's actually about being good and being in a state of mindfulness and of God consciousness is going to transcend just that one moment. During the month of Ramadan, we feel really good because we're often engaged in more acts of worship than we are in previous months. And because we're more involved in the recitation of the Quran, or because literally we're just fasting for 16 days, and because we're spending time with community, we're spending time with family, we often spend times in conversations that are a little bit more impactful, we feel that we've accomplished a great deal in terms of seeking out God. But for many people, it's incredibly difficult to carry on that feeling post the month of Ramadan. In a very similar fashion, if someone goes to perform Umrah or someone goes to perform the Hajj pilgrimage or someone goes to visit the saints that include the Holy Prophet and his Immaculate Family, the Ahlul Bayt, alayhim salatu salam, we see that it's very difficult toward translating that energy and that inspiration that we feel in the midst of those days that we're performing the pilgrimage. When we return back home, we just resume our normal lives again because it's not very sustainable. It's important for people to understand that if they're putting forth such a intense effort during the month of Ramadan and they're not doing things that are really practical, that they can be carried over after the month of Ramadan, there's potential to get burnt out. And I say all of this as an introduction toward really understanding what it means in the religion of Islam when we talk about the concept of servitude. The religion of Islam is a religion of absolute and utter submission to God. The religion of Islam focuses on this concept of submission to God every single day during our daily prayers, for instance. The fact that we kneel and the fact that we prostrate and the fact that we bow should be something that triggers within our minds toward allowing for our hearts and our souls to understand that the reason why I'm prostrating, literally humbling myself on the ground, is to demonstrate that I'm in absolute submission and servitude to God. And we find that within our prayers and amongst the greatest attributes that have been given toward the greatest of God's creation, that is the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, is that he is known as the best of the servants of God. We state in our prayers, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah, wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. 
We state that we testify that Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, is God's servant, and then he is God's messenger. And there is a reason why we prelude the word abd before rasul, literally allowing for ourselves to submit to the fact that the Holy Prophet is God's servant before his messenger, is because of the fact that his servitude to God is the most transcended quality that he has. And what makes the Prophet of God so beloved to God is the fact that he was the best of worshippers, is the fact that he was the best in the state of servitude to God. Someone who only sees whatever God wants him to see. A lot of day a lot of time it's difficult for people to understand why, for instance, that Maghrib prayers is three rakah, or why I have to make seven rounds around the holy Kaaba when performing tawaf, or why the month of Ramadan is thirty days and not fifteen, and so on and so forth. We have a lot of questions that oftentimes we wrestle with that we try to find logical conclusions and deductions of, but oftentimes we're not really capable of reaching very satisfactory answers in this regard. Because at the end of the day, perhaps God wants to demonstrate that you don't have the knowledge of all things, that you have to submit sometimes to whatever it is that God wants from us, and that's what it really means to be a servant. That's what it means to be a slave. You listen to what your master has to say. And for many people, when you talk about us being God's slaves or God's servants, it seems as though we are incredibly distant from God. And in reality, it's important to understand that if we are really working to building out the sense of spirituality within our hearts and within our souls and within our beings in a way, again, that can transcend these 30 days of this blessed month of Ramadan, is to be in a state of recognition of exactly who you are. Meaning, we need to know our place. If God says sit, we sit. If God says pray five times a day, we pray five times a day. If God says you have to go to the city of Mecca to perform this pilgrimage once in your lifetime, even though it might be costly, even though it's really far, even though it's very challenging to get there, we do it. Because that's what God wants from us. And that's what God expects from us. Because he's given us so many other means and so many other blessings and In response, he just wants us to fulfill his instruction. And again, like I said, for many people, it's seemingly something very negative that we're known as God's slaves or that we're known as God's servants. And in spite of that, or in light of that, I want to make mention, and I want to reflect a little bit, upon a prayer made by Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib, alayhi salam. A line of poetry or a supplication that he recited that is incredibly profound and incredibly beautiful. He states, Ilahi kafa bi izzan an akuna laka abda, wa kafa bi fakhran an takuna li rabba. He states, O oh my Lord, it suffices as an honor for me that I consider myself your slave. It suffices for me, O oh my Lord, that I it suffices as an honor for me that I consider myself your slave. And it suffices for me as a pride, O oh my Lord, that I consider you to be my Lord, that I consider you to be my God.
in the eyes and in the perspective of amongst the most beloved of God's creations, the successor in divine knowledge to the prophet of God, peace be upon him, he states, O Allah, it is my honor that I get to call myself your slave. And again, like I said before, when we often hear the word slave, an immediate negative connotation enters into our mind, and we don't want to be associated with that term. But then when you know that you are the slave of the creator of the world, when you're a slave of the king of kings and the master of masters, but not only that, the most compassionate and the most merciful master, the most compassionate and the most merciful Lord, the most generous God that anyone can even strive their best to understanding, their intellects won't reach God's generosity. It won't be able to fathom the mercy and compassion and the beauty and the love of our Creator. Which is why he states, it's an honor for me that I can call myself your slave. And it's a pride that I have that I call you my Lord. And then Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam, he utters even more remarkable and even more beautiful lines. He states, Anta kama uhib. Um, O Allah, you are exactly the way that I love. Imagine if we had a God who wasn't as merciful as our God. Imagine we had a God who wasn't as just as our God. Imagine we had a God who had or who was just different than our God. Of course, it's incredibly impossible for us to even imagine such a thing. But when we are in a state of really in deep contemplation and reflection about who we are and everything that we have and just the fact that God is really the best of planners, we plan in a certain way and probably five years ago we thought our lives were going to be very different than they are at this exact moment right now. But God is the best of planners. And if it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't have had all of the blessings and all the opportunities around you. And even if we are going through really intense trials and tribulations within our life, just know that God will make a way out in the same way that He made a way out for you in your previous difficulties and in your previous trials and tribulations. So He states, Antekema Oheb. Oh Allah, oh my Lord, you are exactly the way that I love. You are exactly what I want from a God. You are exactly what I want from a master. You are exactly what I want from a creator. Imagine God didn't create us this way. Imagine, as I mentioned in a previous discussion, in a previous episode, imagine God didn't place our eyes on our face and he placed them on our feet. But again, it's out of his wisdom that he fashioned us in this most perfect way. Antakama uheb. Oh Allah, you are exactly the way that I love for you to be. So make me the way that you love for me to be. It's important that we really do our very best toward internalizing this particular statement of Imam Ali salam. When he states, So make me the way so make me in such a way that you love me. That in spite of the fact that we demonstrate our absolute love and 
fidelity and loyalty toward our Creator. It's important, again, that then we reciprocate that by doing and following in the instructions that He has given us. And again, when oftentimes people think about religion, they think about it as something very challenging and something very difficult. And we have traditions from the Holy Prophet وسلم, and his family that advise us that, hey, religion is really not that challenging. It's about doing what God instructed us to do. And it's about staying away from those things that God prohibited us to do. So if God says we need to fast, we fast. And if God says we need to pray, then we pray. And if God says don't do this and don't do that and don't eat this and don't drink that, then we do that. Not in a way that we're seeing ourselves stuck in a burden, but we're just doing our very best to become the beloveds of God. At the end of the day, we want to be able to see Him by means of the way that He wants us to see Him. And we want to reciprocate that by allowing for God to look at us with a look of mercy and a look of grace and a look of compassion. That I say, God, I, you know, I just want to do the best that I can. I'm fasting during this month of Ramadan in the heat, in the really long days. We're almost done with this blessed month of Ramadan and we're entering into the last 10 nights. I'm just doing this because that's what you want me to do. I'm just putting forth my best effort because that's what you want me to do. When you have wealth, you say, Oh Allah, thank you for giving me this wealth. When you have good blessings that come and come and enter into your life, you'd be thankful. When you commit a sin, you ask for forgiveness. That's what God wants from us. In a narration from Imam al-Sadiq alayhi salam, he tells us that the religion of Islam is really simple. God requires for us to do two things. That during the good days, we say, Oh Allah, oh my Lord, thank you for everything that you've given me. And during the difficult days when we transgress and when we sin, and when our minds and our hearts and our souls are not really centered towards seeking God out, then ask God for forgiveness. And that's really what it's all about. So again, Imam Ali alayhi salam, he states in this really beautiful line, in these really beautiful lines, Ilahi kafa bi izzan an akuna laka abda. Oh my God, it is an honor for me that I can consider myself to be your servant. And it suffices for me as an honor that you are my Lord. You are exactly the way that I love. So make me the way, in, in, in a way that you love me. And again, I'll conclude with this point, my dear friends. At the end of the month of Ramadan, when we go back to our normal routines of our lives, our sleeping pattern gets back into its normal state, and we go back on to the daily grind, and we begin to think about our morning coffee and what we're going to eat for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner and so on and so forth, just remember, that's fine to go back to that routine, but just be in a state of consciousness that you're still God's servant. During this month and during these days where we're not fasting for 16 hours and our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors, they ask us, why are you not eating? Why are you not drinking? We tell them, because it's the month of Ramadan and this is what God instructed for us to do. We'll carry that on and when it becomes the time of prayers and you're at work, you, per- you perform that Dahar prayer. And when someone says, why are you performing prayer? We never see- we used to see you pray before. You say, you know what? This is what God wanted from me. 
And then you allow for that sense of consciousness and mindfulness and again servitude to really allow for us to really push forth envelopes and really make our very best effort toward reaching closer and seeking out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and really performing actions in such a way that inshallah he will be in a state where not only we love him for who he is but then again he reciprocates that by demonstrating his love for us because of what we have done to really fulfilling the obligations and requirements that he has set for us we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq walhamdulillah rabbil alameen wassalallahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina muhammad wa ala ahla bayti al-tayyibin al-tahirin Follow Sheikh Fayaz on Twitter at Fayaz Jaffer and look out for him on Facebook.